Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. The promises of God and the mind of God and the character of God does not change. He is not double-minded. He is not unstable. He is not a human being, a human being to where he changes his mind, where he lies and he says, eh, I really didn't mean that. <laughs> no, I said that you could be blessed, but no, really, I'm not going to do that. That's not God. Why is it not God? Because at the end of the day, God wants the glory. God wants people to come into the kingdom. God wants people to be restored and come to him. Sin separated us from God. This is why Christ died on the cross for us. This is why he gave his life for us. But this is why he also got up with all power so that now we have the ability through Christ to conquer all things. That is through Christ. When the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me, all the things that we can do is not on our ability or our strength or our knowledge or any of that stuff. It is on Christ. It is through Christ. He did it all. He conquered it all. Even the enemy has no power. So if God has all power, the enemy has how much power? None. The promises of God shape us. It molds us. It gives us peace. It guides us. It gives us hope for the future. But do we know the promises of God? Do we know how to live in the promises of God? Over the next three episodes, we are going to talk about live in his promise. We're going to break it down from one subject after another about how to live in his promises and rest in it act in it and have that faith of knowing that God's word will never return void. His promises are yea and an and amen. That is the promises of God. We are going to discover it. We're going to abide in it. We're going to live in it. And we're going to ask the Holy Ghost as we talk about the promises of God to reveal to us areas that are against the promises of God. Lies that we have believed that have now become strongholds. And these strongholds have now become our truths, our foundational truths. And we don't know how to decipher between the stronghold or the promise. I know some of us are thinking, well, it shouldn't be that difficult. Some of these strongholds that you have been holding on to that have been implanted in you, they kind of look like it's biblical truth, but it's not. So I want us to really, really take time over the next three episodes and listen to the Holy Ghost as we discover how to live in the promises of God, how to understand what these strongholds are and truly how to live in his promises. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Conquering Me podcast. This is episode 13. Yes, episode 13. Thank God, thank God, thank God for all of you all who 
have listened from the beginning and I pray that you have received something. I pray that you have grown. I have grown throughout this process, even though there are times where I'm going back and re-listening to some of the podcasts after it has been published and the Lord is like, mind is blowing my mind and what is said in the podcast. And in the, at the end of the day, this is not about me. So I really, really, really do pray that God is using me as a vessel because it's about God and it's about the glory of God and it's about us as his children becoming closer to him and reflecting him and acting like him and loving like him and caring like him and living like him. There's so much that is going on in the world that it is overwhelming if we allow it to be. If you are on top of, let's say, just social media trends and what people are talking about online and what's happening in the news from local to national all the way to international, it can be very sad and it can be depressing. Let's just be real about it. It is sad. And I, I want to say this about the shooting that happened in Texas at the elementary. Um... It is unfortunate that we are still dealing with this and we're battling with this as a country and as a people. Even if none of us lost our children, we never want to see harm brought on by people. That is what Saturday before there was a mass shooting at a grocery store in Buffalo. That Sunday before the shooting that happened in Texas, Texas there was a shooting that happened in um, California at a church, I believe it was a uh, Taiwanese church, and they were just gathering for lunch. So we are in a time where we have to, as children, we have to number one, pray. My husband said this, which I think is so true. We have to pray for our leaders, but pray for their hearts, number one. Pray for their hearts that their heart is turned over to Christ. There are a lot of people who are making quote unquote biblical laws because of their quote unquote biblical beliefs. And I'm gonna say quote unquote, because a lot of this is loose and I'm not gonna get into which ones because I'm not here to debate political beliefs and all that type of stuff. I, I speak on the word of God, but the word of God does talk about praying for your leaders. And one of the things that specifically we have to pray is pray for their hearts, that their heart is turned over to Christ because Money is ruling our leaders. And there are things that are happening in this country and countries across this world that are leaving people open and uh, subject to more pain and oppression and lack. And the leaders on top are turning a blind eye because they are receiving a check. So we really need to be praying for our leaders on all levels, all leaders, all levels. I don't care if it's from your home to your community, school board, local government, city government, county government, state government, to federal, to all these things. We have to be really, really praying. Saints of God, we gotta pray. We have to pray, we have to pray, we have to pray. And not pray for what we need. We need to just really say, God, we don't really know what to pray. We just know that their hearts need to be turned over to you and let their decisions reflect you. Because God knows what is needed, right? So we just have to really pray that they get closer to God. And on top of us praying as saints of God and as believers, we need to pray about God. What else are you having me to do? Do I need to be more active on certain counties um, elections? Do I need to run for something? Do I need to, what is it that I need to do? 
where does my voice need to be heard? Where do my hands need to go to work? Where do my feet need to walk? We have to get into action. I talked about in one of the public, uh, one of the earlier podcasts about the earth is waiting for you. The Bible talks about the earth is waiting and groan, groaning and pain. They are literally crowning, waiting to give birth to purpose, to joy, to love. Now this is, I'm paraphrasing, but they're waiting for the children of God to show up. They're waiting for us, but what is keeping us bound? And I truly believe part of the problem is we don't know the promises of God. We have been shapened by so many other ideas and ideologies and truths and um, foundational truth and doctoral truths that it's not really biblically based and it's not meant for that. And I, I, I try to lean on the era of hope and grace that some of the things that were taught, let's say specifically in the church, some of the things that were taught were not taught to be malicious. It was the leaders at the time maybe did not have a full understanding. Whenever we read the Bible, number one, we have to pray and ask the Holy Ghost to give us understanding. We have to say, God, I need you to give me understanding because this is your word inspired by you, chosen by the people you want to write this word about you. So I need to ask you, what does this mean? Like we have to invite the Holy Spirit in when we study our word of God, when we started the word of God. But then also we have to understand what are what is also the context? What was going on during that time when this was written? Is there another meaning behind it except for women be silent in the church? Child, because we know that one right there. That's a hot topic. But there was a meaning behind that. There was, he was creating order because the church was so out of pocket. So when we study the word of God, we have to ask God to really, really open our minds and remove all thoughts and beliefs that we have and say, God, reveal it to me what you want me to understand in this moment. What is it that I can learn more of your character? What is it I can learn more of your heart? What is it I can learn more of how you move, how you think? God, and how do you want me to implement this in my life? Over the next three episodes, and I talked about that earlier, we're going to talk about the promises of God. God revealed this to me about two years ago. So this is right in the middle of the pandemic. The Lord had me to go on a middle mini sabbatical, just a, just a few days. It was just the Lord and I, and I was a lot of praying, fasting, in my word, studying like crazy and just praying and praying, praying. And this was the first time that I was away from my husband and children in years. Any other time I go somewhere or I'll go on vacation, I am always with somebody. Somebody is always with me. Somebody is always there, let it be a child or my husband. This was the first time in years where it was just me and the Lord. And I remember all of these feelings and, and anxiety and nervousness coming up because it just felt odd. It was out of my norm. It wasn't that I was afraid to be by myself. It was just out of my norm. I became comfortable in what I was doing. I became comfortable in what my life was for the past. I think at this time we were married maybe 13, 14 years. So as I was on this journey and really spending time with God and I was walking the beach and I remember seeing a huge truck 
this truck had, I believe, a Confederate flag on there, and it also had a um, Trump flag. And so I automatically got extremely nervous because I'm walking this beach, and here comes this truck. Now, there's other people on the beach, but here comes this truck, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I am the only black person here. <laughs> Lord, what is going on? Forgive me. And I'm like scared. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I started to panic. And then the Holy Ghost had to quickly gather me. Because at first I was like, okay, if my husband was here, I would feel good. The Holy Ghost had to gather me real quickly. And he said, well, I send you somewhere to put you in harm's way. And I immediately said, no. And then all of these scriptures started coming back to me about lo, I am with you always. Scriptures about comforts, scriptures about peace, scripture about the uh, steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So I'm like, God, you wouldn't send me two hours away, a two hour drive away from my family to put me in harm's way to where, no, that is not the character and the promise of God. And as I was meditating on it and I was really releasing some things unto God and God was filling me with his promises, filling me with his word. And he said, my children don't know my promises. And I said, what? We don't know the promises. We don't know what it means to walk and believe in you fully. Do we know what or do we truly believe what second Corinthians one and 20 says? For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. The glory of God through us. We have to understand that simply this. And I said the scripture before in the intro, where the Bible says he is not a human being. And, and the King James uh, translation, and I believe the New King James translation says, he is not a man. So the version I read, I believe was the NIV version. And it says, he is not a human being to where he shall lie nor will he change his mind. So if he says that you are protected, you are love, I've got you. You better believe that's what it is. He does not change and go backwards on what he has said. Why? Because let's think about it like this. Number one, God's word is law. God's word is truth. God's word has so much power in it that when he said, let there be light, boom, here's the sun. When he decided to breathe his breath into dust to create man, that is so. And here we are millions of years later, still producing. God does not go back on who he is. Why? Because God wants the glory. We have to understand when I said earlier about his word is law, there is literal, let, let me tell you, there are angels that are subject to when he speaks and says, this is what it is. If he says, Jennifer has to go one, two, three steps in order to receive this and out over this, this is where the blessings will flow. That means that the moment I step into that place, the blessings will flow. There is no changing that. They have to be subject to God. Everything is subject to God. His word is power. His word is law. His word is truth. And we can rest in that. We can bank on that, honey. We can take that to the bank. 
But do we know the promises of God? The Bible is full of his promises. Scripture after scripture after scripture is full of God's promise. And one specific example that I want us to really focus on is Abraham. We know of Abraham. We've heard of Abraham and Isaac. But let's really look at how Abraham, a man full of faith, held on to the promises of God and believed it so much that even when he had to sacrifice Isaac, that he didn't do it. Because even in that move, in the faith move, he held on to the promises of God, right? So in Genesis 12 and 2, the Lord promised, now once again, this is one of the many promises that he spoken to Abraham, but he promised to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And then let's move over to Genesis 22, 17 and through 18. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And as the sand on the, um, on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offsprings, all nations on earth, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. Now we have to understand, and I want us to think about this, pro this promise. Now remember, Abraham and Sarah were old. Remember, we've heard this story so many times when Sarah was told that she was going to give birth. Sarah le legit laughed like, uh -huh, please, I'm, I'm going to give birth. I'm old. Some preachers say there's probably nothing even going on between them anymore. I don't know, child. <laughs> so you had God promising someone who was old in age by society standards. By society, because remember I talked about earlier how a lot of our beliefs and a lot of the things that we do and move is based off of so many other factors besides the promises of God. Now, Abraham, God called Abraham to leave his father's house when he was 70 years old. Now, I know during this time, people were living a very, very long time, like two, three, four, five hundred years, right? But 70, 70 years old. He was told to leave and I will show you a place. And what I love about Abraham and his faith, he did not ask God, well, God, where am I going? God, what do I need to bring? God, what is going on? And I know that's something to where I have to work on. A lot of times the Lord tells me to go and I'm like, um, so what we about to do? Where am I going? Why do I need to go? What is happening? And there is a place for that right? There is a place to where we do have to seek uh, understanding. And the Bible talks about asking you shall receive. But there are some times when God is just asking us to move, just move on faith, move on his promises, new move on. Cause they see what he said to Abraham, which was the truth. He said, go and I will show you a place. That's a promise. But the instruction was for Abraham to get up and go. And I, during, I know during this time he was called Abram for all my biblical scholars up there, out there. He was Abram, but Abraham was told to get up and go. He went, he packed up his stuff. He left. He went out there and the Lord showed him where to go. And as they were moving and on this journey, the Lord began to speak to him about him being a great father of many nations. Say, count the stars in the skies, the sand in the seashore. This is what your descendants are going to look like. This is how many of them. So can you imagine? 
the type of faith that I have to believe to hold on to something that sounds so above and beyond what someone may ask or think. And that's also a scripture to where I hold on to this where I am telling my physical body that you will line up with the promises of God. The impossible is now the possible because of the promises of God. Can we have that type of faith? where it seems like everything is against us, everything is saying no, but God is saying, yes, this is what I've called. This is what I've said. I have said that you will have peace. I will say that I've said that you will have joy. I say that all of these things that God has spoken, can we hold on to that when everything that we are looking at is against that? Remember the promises of God is law. It is truth. The promises and the power of God and the words of God has shaped the very world and the earth that we walk on. Yes, we have built and, and, and things have changed so much since the beginning of time. But the earth that we breathe and the air that we breathe and the earth that we walk on, that was what God has spoken. The idea is to even think about, let me create this. That came from God, even if someone believes in God or not. Because all creation comes from him. So can the promises of God be our tool and our weapon to guard our minds and our hearts, where we hold on so tightly, where we do not let go of it, and it does not matter what is spoken, it is so. It is so. Genesis 22, three through eight, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out of the place that uh, God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham took, looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. And then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood from the burnt offering and placed it on his sons, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went out on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. I want us to understand that this is, Genesis 22, three through eight. And a couple of scriptures before that, I love how it starts off. And I believe it's in the New King James and in the King James version, it says, and the Lord tested him. The Lord woke Abraham up and told him to go to the mountain and sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham got up and did so. But if you just, if you listen to what I just read in Genesis 22, three through eight, he told his servants, we will be back. When Isaac said, Lord, where is the lamb? He said, surely the Lord will provide. Now here is the thing. God sent Abraham on this to be tested. He needed to test him in his faith. Is he going to hold on to the promises? Is he going to hold on to the fact that I told him that he will be a father of many nations? Is he going to hold on to, I told him that his name will be great. Well, is he going to hold on to the fact that I told him that his descendants is going to be as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sand in the sea, in the, I mean, on the shore? 
Is he going to hold on to that? Let me help you out and let me help myself out. Just because you are tested in the process of the promise does not mean that the promises has now been renegotiated. It is now off the table. No, your job is to stand still and hold on firm to what God has spoken. Abraham was told to literally sacrifice his only son. Yes, he had Ishmael, but in the word of God said, I need you to go sacrifice your only son. And here's the truth of it. Even because Abraham was such a favored man in God's eyes, he still blessed Ishmael. So that lets me know that even when we have the favor of God, our messes are still a blessing and God can turn it around. What's the word of God say? All things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Nothing in God is in vain. Even our mistakes. He can use it for his glory if we just turn it back to him. But the promises of God have to be so deeply rooted in our hearts and in our minds in our souls and in our actions that if something or even if God tells us to go down a path that seems contradictory to it, we will fight against God and say, God, but wait a minute, you told me this. I'm going to say, all right, God. Let me do it. You know what I love in the scripture? I don't know if this is what Abraham said or not, but in the scripture, it didn't say that Abraham said, yes, I will kill my son. It just said that he got up and did. And as he was doing, he kept speaking faith. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. He kept speaking faith. We're going up this mountain, but he told his servant, the boy and I will be back. The son said, uh, where's the lamb? He said, surely the Lord will provide. We have to have the promises of God so deeply rooted in us to where it changes our very nature. Let his promise change your character, change your language, change how you think, how you move. Even if moving on faith scares you, even if moving in faith doesn't look like it makes sense. But you're holding on to what he has said. And the promises of God start with the word of God. We have to know the scriptures. We have to know what he says. We have to know how he talks about us being protected and how no weapon formed, us, formed against us shall prosper. We have to know these things because we are being bound by so many things. We are carrying burdens that are weighing us down. Matthew 11 and 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are carrying heavy burdens, you got to cast that over to God. Because his promise says his burden is light does not mean that you will not carry things it just means that it's going to be light if something is coming in that's causing chaos and it's taking things away from you and you're feeling dis uh, distraught and downtrodden you're feeling like everything is chaotic you need to go to john 10 and 10 and says the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy i have come and this is christ that they may have life and have it full some scripture says that i may have i come that you may have life and have life more abundantly so if I am literally in a position to where I'm feeling bound, I'm feeling hopeless, I'm feeling like there is nothing to move on, there's nothing to move towards, there's nothing to hold on to, then I need to say, no, 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 no. John 10 and 10 says, 
that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Christ has come to give me life and have life more abundantly. For some of us who feel like they're, that you're there in this thing alone, like no one is with you. God has forsaken you. There is no one there. I want you to go to Matthew 28 and 20 and the teachings and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Some translation says to the very end of the earth. And we know that this is when the Christ comes back. He said, hold on to my teachings, hold on to my character, hold on to who I am. And I am with you always, always. I love what David said. And I want to say it's in Psalms 140. And I could be wrong on this. David says, even if I make my bed in hell for you are with me. So that means even if I cause some of the most destructive and foolish stuff in my life and things are not going as I desire, I am feeling all types of things. God, you're with me. So that means I got to find the light and I got to run towards the light and I have to speak against every bit of darkness that is trying to consume me for you are with me. These are the promises of God. Remember his promises are yea and amen. Remember he is not a human being that he shall lie. He is not someone that's going to come back and forth on his, on his word and say, well, we're, I, I don't think I'm going to do this. I don't think. And, and how do we know what is the promises of God? One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 and 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If you are thinking things are battling with mind battles or scenarios that feel hopeless, and it's like, you don't see a way out. You have to ask God to reveal to you, where is this lie that I have believed? Where is the enemy attacking me? Because you said in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. And I want to make this clear. It does not mean that we will not go through things. We will go through things. The Bible talks about suffering for righteousness sake. But we just read a scripture where Jesus says that his burdens are light. So we have to begin to evaluate what is going on. Am I holding on to the promises of God? Or am I holding on to what seems hopeless? Or am I constantly in this cycle that is keeping me away from living fully in God? And we cannot live like this. We cannot continue to move like this. The Bible is filled with the promises. The Bible is full of his truth and his word. And this is what gives us hope and peace and joy and laughter and, and strategy. It gives us a way to have an abundant life, but we have to first study the word of God. I saw this video about certain songs by popular churches that I guess go on viral. And someone asked the pastor, should people listen to these songs by these quote unquote Christian groups? And this is what they're saying. I'm not saying that these groups are not Christian groups, 
And so he made a point of basically saying that as believers, the problem is, he said, instead of us bashing the churches about these songs, and I'm going to take it further, bashing pastors or churches about songs and messages that go out, he said, we need to become Bible readers. He said, this stuff goes viral because we do not know the word of God. We have to know the word. The Bible talks about sheep, wolves in sheep clothing. And a lot of us will be taken away and, and strayed away because we are being distracted and fooled by people who look like they are part of the fold, but they're not. Then also some of us are being mistaught for, by people who are just ignorant, who have not taken the time out to really study and ask the Holy Ghost. And this is no judgment. Hear me, please. This is no judgment against anybody. What I am urging for everyone who is listening to allow the word of God to be your priority. This has to be number one. We don't know the promises. We are allowing medication to overtake our healing process instead of the word of God. We're not allowing him to lead us through healing lead us to prosperity, lead us to how to be a disciple, lead us like study this word. It is so beautiful. It is so amazing. It's complex. There's poems in there. There's strategies in there. There's truth in there. And there's some things that's going to sting you. That's going to be like, Oh Lord, I felt that in my heart. I want us to end on this. Isaiah 61, one through four. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress in instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirits, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He shall build up the ancient ruins and they shall raise up the former devastation. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. This is Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. And this is about the prophecy of Jesus Christ. About what he came to do. If you're like, God, I don't know the promises. I don't know where to even start. Study the life of Christ. Study what God did. He said, I will give you beauty for your ashes. I will comfort those who mourn. I will give you the garment of praise instead of for those who are faint of heart. There is a constant exchange that God is wanting. But first, we have to give it over to him. And I want us to really pray. Pray that the promises of God consume us. It consumes our minds, our thought process, our hearts, our emotions. One thing that my pastor said, which I appreciated, he said this a few Sundays ago. He said, feelings are a great indicator, but a terrible navigator. And I've held on to that. I'm like, wow. I need the promises of God to be my navigator. I don't want my feelings and my emotions to be my navigator anymore. 
I don't. Some of us have battled that and are battling that. But all of us as believers need to know the promises of God. And even if you feel like, well, I know the promises of God. I know um, what God says and, and all these things. I invite you to allow the Holy Ghost to examine your heart and examine your understanding of what you feel you know and what you think you know. And ask God to give you a submissive heart of a student so that you may always be at his, at his feet ready to listen, ready to receive a new word, a fresh revelation, something that is new that will empower you and keep you going and knowing what he has called you to do. We have to hold on to the promises of God like Abraham. We cannot stray. We cannot fumble the ball. Not in this day and time. There's too much going on. The saints of God have got to step up. We got to show up. And we have to show up with the word of God in our hand and in our heart and ready to be spoken with the character and the comfort and the love and the compassion and the joy and the peace of Christ and the truth. We have to be ready. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this time together. I thank you for how you have allowed us to go a little bit into your promises. This is just a, a, a touch of what your promises are. And God, I ask that people were blessed on today. I ask that we all walk away having a desire to learn more of your promises, knowing that your promises navigate us. It, it heals us. It protects us. It gives us strength. It, it gives us understanding. It gives us clarity, God. Lord, just let us understand the, the importance and the weight of your promises. For those of us who have been saved and who are walking with you, give us a new revelation. Give us a fresh perspective and a fresh anointing of what you have spoken to us, even of past things. Bring things back to our memory. And God, for anyone who is not saved, they want to know the promises of God. They want to stand in that assurance that his promises are yea and amen. But first, they have to come to you. So anyone that is out there who is not saved, God, I ask that you begin to deal with them right now. And I ask that those who are listening, if those who are not saved, just open your mouth and say, God, I love you. I trust you. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm giving my sins and my pain and my struggles and my trauma and everything over to you. And I will not pick them up. I am your disciple. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you rose for my sins and you gave life for me, your life for me. There was an exchange. And in that, we rejoice. If you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that God is the son of God, that you, that Jesus is the son of God, and that you have asked him to forgive you of your sins, you are now saved. And that's it. You're now saved. Rejoice in that. The angels are rejoicing. We are rejoicing. I love you all. I pray that you have received something. And I will speak to you next Friday for part two.